Bibles. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Uh, coronavirus has been a big discussion. Even as we wrap up the U.S. Grains Council meeting, you heard a lot of talk about that in the hallways and how that's affecting the markets. We're also going to look on the second half at the bright spot, which happens to be the cattle market. I know. Clutch your chest because we're talking some positive news moving our livestock way and some supply and demand as well. We're going to dive into all of the happenings of the trade of this week as we get comments from Mike Zuzalo with Global Commodity Analytics. And Mike, let's start out with the supply and demand. What are you hearing as we continue to wait for a pickup when it comes to exports? I think the last two weeks have kind of led me down the of the idea, Susan, that we would be doing better on price action in the futures market had it not been for us being essentially the seller of last resort when it comes to the export market with China specifically. The trade does not like the idea that the Chinese, with phase one coming into effect this coming weekend, they don't like the fact that the Chinese have been buying Ukrainian corn they don't like the fact that the Chinese have been booking a lot of South American beans. Uh, they don't like the fact that the Chinese have uh, elevated shipments of pork along with medical supplies to get through the ports faster than just about any other commodity out there. You know, what I'm getting at, I guess, is we aren't seeing a demand hit to the Chinese consumption, especially for food. And that's with, in Shanghai, about 30% of the businesses actually going back to work this week instead of a lot more. And that's even, even though the disease in China now has pretty much locked down around 60 million Chinese in, in some of these key provinces. But they, between the USDA reports, both of them, the one acreage report update today on Friday and then USDA supply demand earlier this week, because of the coronavirus and follow-through or lack of follow-through with China not buying U.S. product, um, we've lost a demand driver, and we're back to the, the building blocks being ripped down again and the market feeling like we have excess supply here in the United States. During your midday newsletter that came out, you, you talked about this week's weather, um, hard red winter wheat belt remaining drought-stricken, which we kind of maybe lost focus on that we're seeing some, some drought here in the U.S., and then you look at areas um, globally when it comes to the wheat crop condition. Do you think coronavirus and everything else that's been happening in the world, it's just kind of been swept under the rug? Yeah, I do. And I think this is, this is probably the most important part of, of what I'm looking at over the next three to six months. And this is why I, I would strongly recommend people that haven't utilized my information before to make decisions to really think about it. Because I think we're going to have to reconcile between now in the middle to the end part of March. The fact that here we are as the seller of last resort, as I spoke about in the futures market, but the cash market is incorporating and continues to incorporate through the spreads and through the very strong basis in key locations, the tighter supply, mainly due to the Plains harvest weather. And that still being as much a question as it was literally three months ago. So when you see something like the, the uh, Kansas uh, drought monitor, while the high plains actually shrunk in drought, Kansas went up, and it's now got a little over 30% of the state in drought. It's in primarily the hard red wheat country. It's getting into southwest Nebraska as well. And 
keep in mind at the start of the water year back at the beginning of october when this crop went into the ground and went into dormancy uh the drought being at 18 or 19 percent has now climbed to 30 percent so we've you know essentially doubled the drought size or come close to doubling the drought size in the largest hard red wheat producing state with some of the smallest acres in a century so yes i think these things have to be reconciled and i think especially that much what has to be reconciled and, and relatively soon is that the northern plains stays cold stays uh, I, I heard this week from clients and others in the area that they still have two feet of snowpack in, in north dakota and you know here they were with 16 to 20 below actual temperatures and so the the forecast for both the hard red wheat belt remains very dry into the end of february the forecast for the northern plains and those five key states that usda is resurveying uh, that looks to be continuing to be cold and wet through the end of february so by the time we get to march i think the market's going to have to start looking at these supply factors because I think the cash market will demand it at that stage. I think that's really where we're at. And if I'm wrong by that, it's probably because coronavirus has eaten into the demand for China. But if we continue to see China buying from somebody, at some point, the United States is going to garner more business. You know, and it's, it's been so interesting. I spent the last four days with producers from all across the country. And as we deal with the frigid cold temperatures that we saw this week to the north, talking to producers in, in the southern belt, like, we need a few dry days so we can get our crop planted. We're behind schedule. And, it, and it's hard to believe mid-February that we're already starting out the 2020 planting season behind the clock. Exactly, and I think this is where the trade, the futures market trade, has it wrong because they look at so much at the dollar and the funds drive the trade so much in today's market. They look at this new crop season coming on as, well, that's bearish, that's price negative because we're getting ready to plant a whole other crop. I, I really do think at this stage of the game we've left the cart behind and, and then the cart is is way ahead of the horse at this point when it comes to what's going on in the U.S. crop from 2019, and we're already moving on to 2020. And I think that's a real issue that we're going to have to come back and address. And I do think there's opportunities in the marketing sphere in utilizing the cash premium and the futures discount to help hopefully provide a better profit per acre on the corn, beans, and wheat. When we come back, I want to ask you about this market and what it's going to mean as we uh, really dive into 2020 a lot more. Of course, we'll take a look at what's happening on the cattle side of the market trade. If you do get Mike's newsletter, he talks about cattle, and are we now nearing some overvalue? We'll let you ponder that as we head to the commercial break. More is coming up. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Zero, zero. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network as we continue to have the conversation with Mike Zuzel, Global Commodity Analytics. And before we bring Mike back into the conversation, just a reminder, I can tell you for a fact that markets will be steady on Monday. Not going to see any changes. And the reason being is markets are closed in observance of the President's Day holiday. So having said that, Mike, it gives you guys a three-day weekend to kind of ponder what we saw in this last weeks of trading. Looking, as we talked at the break, that um, we're behind the eight ball in some areas on spring planting. We knew that 2019 was definitely a weather-related market. Are we setting ourselves up for 2020 to be another weather-related grain market? I think in part. I think the first half will be that way uh, as long as the demand doesn't falter any more than we've already seen in 2019. <clears throat> and, and 
it, keep in mind, Susan, that the demand was really starting to pick up in the late 2018 time period. The dollar was going down. There were some tighter markets. We came into 2019 with a real problem with getting planted in the U.S., and there were other areas that had problems. Now the pressure is back on because the South American crop is coming on pretty strong. It looks very sizable in soybeans. It looks adequate when it comes to corn. But having said that, we're still looking at a world corn ending stocks number. When you look at the demand and you divide that into the uh, the supply, you're looking at a corn stocks number and usage of about 26%. That's what's going to be left over in the world corn. Um, that's the lowest since 2013. When you look at the coarse grains, which can, includes competitors with the corn, other feed grains, except for wheat, you're looking at that being also at a five-year low at 23%. And so even with these very big South American corn numbers especially, we still have a very tight, relatively speaking, uh, market because of, if you look at it in a five-year perspective, you also have wheat ending stocks at 13 to 14% less than the last two years in a row. And you're talking about being down below a billion bushels for the first time in at least three years. And now you're starting to talk about even lighter acres and these crop conditions we talked about in part one. So yes, there's still supply and there's still weather out there, but I think as we see the protein markets develop, I really think proteins are gonna come on strong. In other words, the cattle and hog production here in the United States and around the world, I think can help the demand base for the grains grow and grow and grow. And so I'm actually kind of trying to forecast 2004, 2005 type market in the grains as we get into the middle part of 2020. And again, that goes back to why I think it's maybe wise to get uh, at least another opinion on these markets and that way be ready to lock in profit when profit presents itself in the short term in the next three months when we're still dealing with the supply issue. But by the time we get to June, July, be ready for a major, maybe demand low led by the protein markets. And I think that's where 2020 could be surprising to a lot of people um, just because of the fact that we're looking at such a big meat demand and, and that meat demand and that feeding demand really can help take away the sting if the ethanol continues to be kind of uh, weak and, and to kind of slumber against a stronger dollar and a weaker energy market. So having said that, is the live cattle getting close to that overvalue mark? Yeah, I mean, this is where that this is where the short term comes in and the overvalue level in April fats, I would project at around the 122.50 area. Um, we're getting within two to three dollars of that if we go through the 52 week moving average, the 40 day moving average, some of the key moving averages that tend to uncover buy stops by the funds, then we could project over that overvalue level. I think that's a kind of a quote unquote sweet spot for getting hedges in place because of the profitable level we'd be at because of the cheaper feeders that we probably locked in uh, several months ago. So I think you're really needing to play it very close to the vest here, both in grains and livestock. Take the money, take the profit, and run for right now. And that's why I think the cattle are really looking good. The other thing about cattle, too, is I think if I'm right about this protein-led 2020 market coming into the demand side of the equation, we've got to see hogs pick it up eventually. Uh, the pork sector, um, we're going to see for two years in a row, U.S. pork production actually outpace beef production in the United States be the first two years ever that we've seen back-to-back higher pork production versus beef. So we really need the pork to be on the side of the beef 
to get us higher prices than what we're accustomed to or what we've been accustomed to these last few years. And I'm sure coronavirus and and African swine fever and everything else is going to weigh in to what we see with this hog market. Absolutely. And the Australian drought and the cattle liquidation, the Mexicans ramping up, trying to feed their people more of the pork and the chicken especially. The fact that the Mexican uh, ag ministry is talking about sending more beef to China because of African swine fever. But guess what? We are in the United States about 80% of Mexico's export market. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Mike? Best way is to go to the website globalanalytics.biz, take a look around and uh, sign up for a trial, sign up for a uh, subscription, or call me if you're interested in being a cash only or a brokerage client. All right. Just a reminder that commodity futures and options do involve substantial risk of loss and are not suitable for all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers. Check it out as a podcast at ruralradio.com or wherever you subscribe to your favorite podcasts. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Into the Rural Radio Network.